0: Warning, the following show contains explicit language. Certain people should not listen to this show, such as children and panty-waist adults who cry like 12-year-old little girls when they hear profanity. Welcome back, my friends. I'm Dave Champion, and I want to talk about social media censorship. You know, There's this dynamic in the United States now where people are saying, well, it's a private platform as if that makes it okay to censor facts, data, and evidence that that platform simply doesn't like. A phenomenon with which I am well familiar because a couple weeks ago, Facebook removed the Dr. Reality Dave Champion business page that I'd been working on for 12 years and had 145,000 followers. I don't like that personally, but that's not real. My angst about that is not really the issue. The issue is 145,000 people on Facebook have now been deprived by Facebook moderators. They've now been deprived of getting the information that I provided. If you've been following me for any length of time, you know I'm not some Alex Jones kind of crazy person with all sorts of wild conspiracy theories who cries on the air. Yeah, that's not who I am. I'm a facts, data, and evidence guy. But the facts, data, and evidence that I was presenting simply pissed Facebook moderators off, so they shut me down. So the question is, in my mind, in America, where we have a tradition of freedom of speech, should social media platforms, because they're private, be allowed to... To remove things that are factual, that rely on data, that are supported with evidence, simply because the platform doesn't like the message. So with this tradition of free speech in America, and yes, I understand that legally, constitutionally, it is the government who cannot suppress free speech. I totally get that, right? I'm a constitutional scholar. The point being That if that is our ethos, if if freedom of speech is what lives in our hearts, not just, well, the government can't silence me, but we truly believe in free speech, what should we be saying about billion-dollar corporations that say, I simply don't like your message, so shut the fuck up, and we're going to make you shut the fuck up? How does that comport itself with a country where supposedly free speech lives in our hearts? Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas said something that I thought was interesting the other day. I found it interesting because it's been on my mind for some time. I've actually commented about it on my personal Facebook page, but I've never commented about it publicly until now. And Clarence Thomas said that he thinks perhaps social media platforms need to be treated as public utilities. Now, some people may be saying immediately, oh, wait, 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 that's insane, Dave. You can't call a private platform, social media, a public utility. How is that even rational? Well, I don't know. Telephone companies for most of the 20th century were classified as public utilities. Let's start back a little bit after the turn of the 20th century, when the United States Supreme Court in Olmstead said that the government wiretapping your phone line was not a violation of your rights at all. <laughs> wasn't a violation of the Fourth Amendment. wasn't a violation of the Fifth Amendment. Speaking more generically, was not a violation of your privacy. Why? Because the Supreme Court reasoned in Olmstead, just go with me on this, the Supreme Court reasoned in also the majority, not, not the court. There were some strong dissents here. But the majority reasoned that no one's compelling you to talk on the phone. (laughs) Okay, so this was obviously a newer technology and the court was like, so you volunteered to talk on the phone and the wires, they go outside your home or office, so now that's public. Yeah. Eventually, the Supreme Court reversed itself, thankfully. (laughs) But at that time the court did not take into account that this new technology needed to have the constitutional intention of the founders when they established, for instance, the Fourth Amendment. They needed to take the principles that the founders intended by the Fourth Amendment and apply it to this new technology. Instead, the majority in Olmstead didn't do that. They, said they, they used the same framework that existed up until the moment of Olmstead, and that was for the government to actually interfere with your Fourth Amendment rights. They have to use force. They have to break into your house or break into your office and seize something that belongs to you, and only by that use of force is there a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Well, yeah, that's great, but technology changes. And the really sort of kooky thing in my mind about Olmstead, the the logic of the majority in Olmstead, is if the court applied that same type of logic that they did to the government tapping telephone lines, if they applied that to the First Amendment, then there's no protection for a publisher that uses high-speed printers today rather than using hand-cranked printing presses, as was the case when the Founding Fathers created the First Amendment. Let's take a look at the Second Amendment. If the Olmstead Court applied the same rationale they did in Olmstead to the Second Amendment, they would say, so anything after muskets? No, not protected. Clearly, as new technologies emerge and technology moves forward and humankind moves forward using technology, it is imperative that the courts apply the principles, the intended principles of the founders to the new technology. So now, back to social media. Do you know that the federal courts have held that if a private company engages in censorship under a threat from Congress, that that censorship is unconstitutional. Even though the act was committed by a private company, if it did so under a threat, coercion from the federal government, the courts have ruled that at that point the private company is acting as nothing but an agent of the federal government, and the federal government is not allowed to engage in censorship, right? So how does that dynamic play into social media today? How many committees have been investigating companies like Facebook, Google, Twitter? How many times have the CEOs of those companies been called to sit before congressmen and senators and answer questions? Couple that with the fact that we know there's conversations going on with the United, within the United States government, at the Department of Justice, and with elected officials in Congress about potential antitrust suits against these companies. Yeah, the states are doing the same thing. I forget the exact number. There's something like 15 states, 17 states, something like that, have already initiated at one level or another antitrust suits against some of these large tech companies. So at what level does government action translate into a threat to the private company that they had better censor or there's going to be a consequence? In the cases that the federal courts have looked at thus far, it was pretty tangible threats made to the private companies. So what if the threats are more subtle, such as the CEOs of these companies being called time and time again before committees in the Senate and in the House – to be grilled about how they're conducting their business, while at the same time, very real discussions going on behind the scenes about potential antitrust suits. I mean, at at what point is the implied threat enough for a court to say, you know what, this censorship is impermissible because the private company is acting to please Congress or please the DOJ in an attempt to thwart the implied threat? Let me make it a little bit more clear. If, just as an example, Mitch McConnell, I'm just picking his name out of a hat. It could be anybody in the Senate or in the House. Let's say Mitch McConnell got up tomorrow and said, look, if Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, etc., if they do not remove information they cast out on the establishment narrative, we are going to fuck them over. Okay, that, that's an overt, clear threat. And the courts would immediately say, "No, oh, man, whatever you just instructed them to do, if they do it, it's unconstitutional because they did it under threat from the government. In my opinion, we have the same exact threat going on right now, except nobody's, nobody in Congress, nobody in DOJ is standing up, holding a press conference and saying that. It's all implied, Yet, I think there's sufficient volume of these of this implied threat that a court could very reasonably say, no, this just isn't right. This censorship on these platforms is being driven by the implied threat and therefore is unconstitutional. So while I think a very strong case could be made in court by somebody with the means or some organization with the means to bring this before the federal courts and move it up the food chain of the federal courts, I believe in the end they would likely win. Now let's shift gears and take a look at the idea of making social media platforms public utilities. Just as the Supreme Court in Olmstead did not understand the emerging technology and the social constructs and how the intent of the founding fathers needed to be applied to the tapping of telephone lines. And then eventually the light bulb went in and the court reversed itself. In other words, the the principle there is an evolution of thought where the status quo catches up to what's really been going on. Which brings me to my point about utility companies. And that is, every single industry or company that is currently regulated as a public utility was, at one time, not a public utility, not regulated, and was a private enterprise. And then society said, hang on a second, we respect the right of private enterprises. But there are some services or products or resources that are so essential to society that it has simply been proven a piss-poor idea to leave it to private enterprise with the sole motivation of profit. I think a great example of that that everybody can understand, I I could go into all sorts of different industries, but I'm just going to stick to fire departments. The reason that everywhere in the United States we have public, taxpayer-funded fire departments is because society tried the private sector version of firefighting. And literally, what happened even today? We refer to fire companies, right? So that building over there where all those fire trucks are and all those firms, that's a fire company. That term came from when fighting fires was a Private sector enterprise or private sector industry. And I'm not shitting you. Here's what would happen Fire Company A and Fire Company B would roll out to a house fire fire company A would tell fire company B to fuck off. We, this is our thing. We get to put the fire out and we get to bill for this. And fire company B would say, fuck you. No, it's our place to go ahead and put this fire out. And we'll be billing the homeowner or the property owner for this. And so literally what would happen, I shit you not, is that the firefighters from company A and company B would brawl in the middle of the fucking street because they all got a Cut of, of the billing to put out the fire. They would literally brawl in the middle of the fucking street while the house burned down. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see it wasn't long before society said, "Okay, so wait, their private industry is great, private sector is great. That's what drives the economy. That's fucking awesome." Yeah, but not firefighting. We need to taxpayer fund that, and it needs to be regulated. Another example of that is what was... 30, 40, 50 years ago, your local telephone lines, the copper from the phone company to your house. I come out of the telecommunications industry so I've got a background in that. I'm not going to go into all of that. But suffice it to say the that society saw a problem with the guy over there in that neighborhood having to pay $7 a month to get dial tone. And that guy over there in that other region served by another private sector telephone company, that guy gets charged $115 a month for his dial tone. Yeah, so People can have for $7 a month, they can have dial tone and they can... Call the hospital because there was no nine one one back in the day. They can call the hospital or whoever. They can get a cop sent out or they can get an ambulance sent out. But these people over here were one hundred fifteen dollars a month. Only the wealthy people can afford. So everybody else, fuck you. If you have a heart attack, there's no way for you to reach out for an ambulance. So society said no, 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 no. The fact that that guy thinks the business model that's best for his enterprise is to charge one hundred fifteen dollars a month for dial tone, we're going to say that for the good of society, that's unacceptable. We're going to. Take all of this all of the industries that provide copper from the central office to the business or home and we're going to declare those companies are still private they can still make money we want them to make money that's that's how things stay operative but we're going to regulate we're going to declare them to be a public utility and we're going to regulate them but here's the thing about public utilities in reference to censorship which is what we've been talking about here today and that is when a company Is regulated by the government, it may not engage in any conduct that the government itself could not engage in. In other words, if the government could not of its own volition, reach into a social media site and say, we want to silence that message. That cuts across the grain of our narrative. We want to silence that message. If the government itself does not have the power to do that, then if it is a publicly regulated utility, then the government cannot allow the platform it's regulating to do that either. Those of you who have been following me for some time, you might might be scratching your head and saying, what the hell? Dave has traditionally been a very libertarian-minded person. Why would he be talking about taking companies like Facebook and Twitter and making them into public utilities? And that's a really good question. Let me share the answer with that to you. First of all, I'm not an absolutist, okay? I think absolutism is like one degree away from mental illness, right? There are exceptions to every single thing that you can think of, where you say, this principle, this doctrine is good and right, but there's always going to be that case, remember, that disproves the rule. There's always going to be one. So, well, yes, I'm very libertarian-minded, and I want the government out of most things. There is always the exception to the rule. Furthermore, I go back to the concept of the principle of free speech living in our hearts here in America. This should be a land of free speech. And I don't believe, my personal context here, I don't believe that a company should be able to have billions of users Rape and pillage their personal information, manipulate them through algorithms and marketing, and then turn around and say, and fuck you, shut up, because we don't like what you're saying. I have a problem with that. Then we get into the question of, is social media the equivalent today, as I sit here talking in 2021, the equivalent of the Olmstead court looking at telephones back shortly after the turn of the 20th century? that the Olmstead court did not recognize at that time, they're looking at the phone industry. They did not recognize what it was going to become, how essential it was going to be, what an integral part of society these things called telephones were going to be. So at one point, it absolutely was not regulatable. At one point, you could wiretap it. There was no prohibitions and so forth. And then came the understanding that, yeah, That was wrong, and they needed to correct it, and they did, and they needed to apply the principles, not merely the old construct. So I then posed the question, how similar are today's social media platforms to telephone companies at the turn of the 20th century? Are we going to look at social media platforms and just take this perspective, private, 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 until you cannot say a fucking word. Is not social media the town square of today? I mean, you can say they're private. You can keep using the P word until the fucking cows come home. But are social media platforms not the public square? At this point in history, technologically speaking, practically speaking, in our fucking society, are they not the public square? If you say they're not the public square, you're a fucking moron because they are today's public square, and they are being subtly, impliedly threatened by the government, which I think is not in every case, but in a large percentage of the cases, the reason for their obscene censorship. So I would argue that they are absolutely prime to be classified as public utilities and regulated, not concerning their profits, not concerning how much money they make, that kind of thing. What to do about the manipulation of data and algorithms and preying on people and manipulating them for marketing purposes. You know, that's not the purpose of this video, and I don't want to even (laughs) get off on that tangent. But I don't want to fuck with YouTube's profits. I don't want to fuck with Facebook's profits or Twitter's profits. But I absolutely do 100% want to fuck with their censorship. So whatever mechanism society needs to put in place to stop censorship in what is in 2021 the town square, yeah, that we could talk about how to get there. But in my mind, there is no question we need to accomplish that. We need to get there.